turn on those headphones. It's time for Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine. Welcome to Naughty Talk with Sunny Lee Maine, the podcast that explores all things kinky in a sexy and inclusive way. This show is intended for mature audiences aged 18 and up, and some listeners may find it disturbing. We believe in risk-aware consensual kink here on the show, so if you do try things mentioned on the show at home, know that neither the show nor the cast are responsible for any accidents, injuries, legal or property damages that may occur while getting your kink on. Welcome to Naughty Talk Season 2, Episode 4. I'm Sunny Lee Main, and I'm here with Vidi Mack. He, him, how are you today? I am excellent. How are you? I'm okay, thanks. So today we're going to be talking a little bit about a particular fetish of yours that I have actually been on the receiving end of quite a bit. (laughs) And it's something that you've referenced quite a few times on the show, but we haven't really dug too deeply into it. And that is oral fixation. So usually when you've brought this up, you've been referencing a specific sex act, but that's really not the full picture. What are some of the things besides oral sex, which is, I think, where people's minds go immediately, that might fall under this category? Well, I, I think, you know, really the definition there is is right there. It's oral fixation. So it's anything to do with the mouth. So, for example, one of the things that you're excellent at, I might add, is, uh, you know, basically playing with your mouth, drawing attention to your mouth, which, of course, then almost always puts me in a trance-like stupor, like, what? (laughs) What were you saying? Because I'm paying attention to what you're doing with your mouth. So, uh, it can be anything with, uh, you know, playing with your mouth or somehow drawing attention to your mouth. Yeah, and I love to do a lot of teasing with that. I'll definitely like be in a restaurant and we're sitting there having dinner and I've got my straw and I'm running it across my lips, drawing a little bit of attention to them, that sort of thing. I love to tease. All right, so we've talked about kind of watching somebody else's mouth do things, but bringing the focus back to the fixation on doing things with your own mouth. And I I think it's safe to say, you know, from our time together in our play, that this is probably one of your favorite forms of foreplay. But what is it about giving oral that really gets you going? Well, certainly there's a component of power exchange involved, but I'm not going to get into that because I know we're going to talk about that uh, in a few minutes. But for me, I think you know, I have a little bit of kind of a, a service dom part to me. So, you know, being able to provide pleasure for my partner is very important for me during play. And that is certainly one way where the focus is completely on her. And, uh, you know, she's basically able to just sit back and relax and enjoy. And, and I love that feeling. So taking pleasure yourself or giving pleasure to your partner is one reason to do it, but that doesn't really touch at all on oral fixation specifically. Like what is it about the use of your mouth? Because certainly like you could use your fingers to do that. You could use your cock. So what is it specifically about using your mouth that 
you know, makes it really sexy for you? I, I think it's an intimacy aspect to it that is different than using any other form of, you know, either my body or a toy or anything. To me, there's a certain level of intimacy that's just not there. And, uh, you know, I happen to get off a little bit on the taste as well. So that helps. Okay. So, you know, we've talked a little bit about you enjoying the flavor, you enjoying the contact of your mouth with, um, with my skin. And you touched very briefly on the idea of power play. Now, on the show, we've really said a lot about how no individual sex act is reserved for folks on a specific side of the slash. Individual sex acts do not imply dynamic at all. Many dominants, you included, do love giving oral just because it's hot for you. It's not something that is a predefined act of submission at all. So can you talk a little bit about when you give oral, how you might still feel in control or what the headspace is like for you? Yeah, I, I think uh, for me, in in my mind, it's one of the ultimate forms of control because I'm most of the time controlling her body because I'm usually have my arms wrapped around it and securing her in place. But uh, it's also I'm controlling her pleasure completely. So I think for me, in my mind, it's one of the ultimate forms of control because I'm completely controlling my partner's pleasure, uh, you know, right down to uh, each little lick and sensation that I'm giving her. Right. So, I mean, there's an element of control in bondage, for example, and we do a lot of body bondage when we're doing this. So specifically, often you will sort of hook your shoulders under my legs, but then reach up and grab my wrists and hold onto them super firmly. So I am effectively completely pinned in place. And so even if I wanted to wriggle or squirm away, that's something that's difficult. And then on top of it, you know, there's the teasing that goes on. So often one of the things that you do is you tend to kiss and lick my thighs first and you're teasing and you're knowing that I want it, but you're not giving it. And sometimes you tease me and you'll start and then stop and then you know, watch me brat and be like, you know, hey, like what's going on down there? <laughs> and you're like, well, you know, I just felt like teasing you. So, I mean, there can be an element of denial. There can be an element of edging. There can be an element of forced orgasm where like I explode and I'm like, okay, that was awesome. And now I'm going to pant in a puddle. And you're like, nope, we're going again. So definitely a lot of elements of control with you doing an act that some people who I think wrongly would say is an act of submission. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't, I don't see that as an act of submission at all. And in fact, in your case, it's sort of been the opposite of that notion in that being dominant 
you love to give oral sex, but you actually don't love being on the receiving end personally. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, for me, you know, and like you said, no act is, you know, is either dominant or submissive. But uh, for me, being on the receiving side of it feels submissive, you know, in, in my mindset. And for me, just not having that control over it, uh, I I just, I don't really have a, a, a taste for it or, or a desire for it. And I think that that makes sense to me because in your particular case, you get so much out of the act of control when you're giving it that you've made it, I think for us or for yourself, you've made that act an act where you get to assert dominance or control. And you've done that so frequently, it doesn't surprise me that the opposite would feel like a reversal of that. So again, super individual thing. I am a dominant myself. I personally have no qualms whatsoever about (laughs) receiving oral sex in any capacity. And yes, I do receive it sometimes, you know, in the the context of being pinned um, by my daddy, who is my personal dominant. However, even if I am topping a scene, that's not something I would ever be like, hesitant to accept thinking, oh, this would be an act of submission. No, like if I'm holding on to like somebody's ponytail, you know, okay, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but you get the idea. I, I could totally see you enjoying it as dominant. Absolutely. All right. <laughs> so we've talked a little bit about the power exchanged aspect of it. And I, in particular, have been pretty pleased with the situation. I think you're actually pretty good at this particular act. We do it quite a bit. So obviously things are individual, but you do seem to know your way around a vulva. (laughs) I can attest to this. Any tricks of the trade for giving better oral? Ooh, that's a good question. You know, I think for me, the, the biggest learning curve that I had is my generation we kind of were brought up to be very direct about things. Like you go into a store and you have a list and bang, 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 you get everything on the list and then you leave and that's it. And I think many folks kind of approach oral sex in that way that, okay, here's the target. It's been acquired. Let's go for it. Whereas, you know, kind of browsing around uh, tends to create more arousal and more desire. And then it's a case really, you know, of the individual and listening to what your partner is saying and responding to the way that they are responding. Yeah, absolutely. I definitely think that any kind of sex act like this is an intimate and individual thing. And that's a really good point. The single most important thing that I would say is listen to your partner. Panda and I talked a lot about vulvas and vaginas and clitorises on an episode last season. And when you are talking about giving pleasure to a person with a vulva, there is such a wide variety of preferences. So we talked about vibrators, for example, and how some people prefer you know, to feel a vibrator with sort of a lighter touch because that's really intense or sort of over their clitoral hood, that kind of a thing. And other people, you know, prefer everything to be kind of spread open. So it's really an individual preference. And 
thinking about it um, more since I answered that question on that episode. I definitely think with something really powerful like a vibrator, I prefer a little bit of an over-the-hood kind of contact. But with oral sex, which isn't I won't say it's not intense. It's just a different kind of softer touch than a vibrator. You know, I like a little bit more up close and personal with, um, yeah, with that part of my body. So anyway, this isn't a, (laughs) how does Sunny like to receive her oral episode? But just to illustrate the point that it, it can vary between individuals quite a bit. I think the same goes for individuals with penises too. Uh, everyone likes the, you know, their pleasure differently. They have different pleasure points. So I think it's important to really uh, understand what your partner seeks and desires. I mean, when we play, sometimes we even pull other things into it, like a little tiny bit of fear play or a little bit of primal. So you'll bite my thigh. And while it's on my list of limits that we don't do bites on kitty, (laughs) there's always that little feeling of, oh, he's getting very bitey down there. Like, where is the next bite going to land? And, you know, that's like very primal and there's like a little teeny bit of fear in there. So yeah, lots of things. It's not just about sensation, no particular side of the slash implied with giving or receiving. All right, now that our listeners will go forth into the world as oral sex experts. (laughs) Yeah, I'm glad we had this conversation. Thanks for talking to me about it. No problem, Sunny. Thank you. Most adorable and not as sneaky as it thinks. It's time for Panda Pet. I'm here today with one of our wonderful regular cast members and kink educators, Panda Pet. It, they, she. How are you today? It's been an interesting morning. I'm very full of adrenaline. (laughs) (laughs) And by that, you mean full of coffee. (laughs) Well, no, I had a chai, first of all. Thank you. Um, Not coffee. And... uh, Actually, it's partially HypnoStory's fault because (laughs) I was taking a quick shower and he popped his head in to say hi and scared the ever-loving daylights out of me. (laughs) Like, I scream probably louder than I ever have in this house. And then when I went to go grab said shy and food for himself and me, there was a bee that flew into my car. (laughs) And so I'm just like panicking, panicking. I'm terrified of bugs and especially bees. I'm hearing a lot of excuses for why someone was not prompt this particular Look, <laughs> I'm just saying that I that I am full of an energy. <laughs> I'm sending hypno paddles through the airwaves. <laughs> All right, focus, focus. <laughs> So I'm going to I'm going to start with a little bit of a story today to introduce our next topic since we're getting kind of personal. And so the other day I was actually talking to Hypnostory and I told him I was getting a little bit stuck. And I've talked about this a lot on the show. Everybody knows I identify as a dominant, but 
my long-term relationship with my S-type partner is very vanilla. So we very naturally sort of fallen into like the cutest vanilla DS dynamic, I think. It is. <laughs> our, you know, our day-to-day lives, but we don't take it into the bedroom. We don't slap labels on it. And my other current long-term relationship is with another dominant, Mac, who's on the show. So I do some pickup play from time to time with close friends, especially like hypnosis to let my inner sadist out to play. You might know a little bit about that. <laughs> I know nothing. But... <laughs> <laughs> Really, though, you know, I've come to realize it's something that I maybe need a little bit more of. But at the end of the day, I go back and forth on whether or not, like as a poly person who has two amazing partners already, a full-time job, my writing, my kink education, podcasting, other hobbies, friends and family that need my attention, you know, as a person with a very full and, you know, I'm very happy with it, a very full life, I go back and forth on whether I could have another you know, full relationship or dynamic with a submissive partner. And I don't know if I'd honestly have the spoons. So I was kind of talking about this and I was saying things like, you know, I've thought about doing like time limited training contracts or weekend long submissive training with intensive sessions where I do like some training sessions and then I send, you know, the submissives on their way into the world, something (laughs) on a more time limited basis. So I'm telling Hypno's story about all of this. And at this point, you know, he reminds me that having a service submissive is an excellent way to create spoons. He was like, train your sub to do podcast editing or help with housekeeping or care of the puppies or even just doing things to help me relax. And whatever it takes, you know, whatever takes a lot of your time that can be delegated and then use that time and those newly found spoons to pour energy back into that dynamic and to have kinky fun times, which sounds really amazing in theory. Mm. But then we got to the real heart of the issue and our topic today, which is that sometimes being so far on the left side of the slash, I can't actually empathize or fathom why this would seem like a good deal to anyone. <laughs> and seriously, and I, I can't put myself in those shoes. And so I think sometimes it holds me back from asking for what I really want or maybe even need because I'm like, I could make a list, but like who who else would want that? Who would want to be on the other side of things? And then, you know, enter you, Panda, who tells me that you sometimes feel the exact same way about tops or dominance and, <laughs> you know, being on the right side of the slash yourself, feeling like why would anybody want to be the D? Do you want to tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I mean, like, sometimes it's an understatement. Pretty much for my entire existence, I have never understood why D types want to do what they do. It just it just does not compute to me. It sounds like a lot of work and a lot of responsibility and no fun. <laughs> uh, so that's like just still where I come from it, like that I understand arbitrarily logically that there are lots of people out there who just like doing stuff to other people but I don't know why 
that's the trick, right? It's the empathy. It's that the like, logically, like I see all of these people like on FetLife and, you know, people who I know in my personal life who are like, yeah, I'm totally an S type. And that's just what does it for me. And logically, I understand that. But like being able to empathize when that's just not who you are, it's tough. So I think that maybe we can help each other out with a little bit of a reminder about why the other side of the slash does what they do. And like, why it's awesome for them. So I'll let you go first with kind of the S type side of things. About like why I do what I do. Yeah. Like why does it do it for you? What do you get out of it? Oh gosh. Okay. Um, I feel so pressured going first. I have known I was this way since I was like a kid. Like, having, like, fantasies and dreams and, like, just kind of knowing without knowing that this was how I was and this was how I was going to be. And it took a lot of development and experience to really, like, hone in on the why of why I like what I like and why I do what I do. But for me, a lot of why I enjoy submitting and like what I get out of it is catharsis for sure. Particularly when we're in scene and when I'm doing things that are masochistic or overwhelming, because it doesn't necessarily have to be painful for me to find it cathartic. It could be anything that really just like overwhelms my sensations because really what I'm after is to shut my brain off. And that's why I do what I do. I have ADHD. I am painfully self-aware. I am very self-conscious. I really struggle with self-worth and pretty much constantly feeling like I'm awkward or like failing to understand why people want to interact with me or be around me. And doing, like, submitting or, like, being altered in some way is the only way that my brain shuts off. I think, logically, a lot of people can understand where this might be coming from because, you know, like, it's very similar to why people might turn to drugs or alcohol because they want to quiet their brain or get an escape or something like that. And in some ways, that's why I submit that it's very similar for me. So that part I can wrap my mind around, you know, the the wanting to let go. Mm-hmm. That part, you know, has been pretty clear to me. And even sometimes, you know, for me to let go of control, it has to be like a total power exchange, usually physically, like I have to not have the capacity to have control. It has to be very extreme and very time limited. And every once in a while, I like to, you know, that's why I like to do the dolly play with Mac, that kind of thing. So I can get there, Mm -hmm. but you know, for like very time limited spaces of time, I can understand why somebody would want to let their mind go. But where I get stuck is like the day-to-day you know, exchange of like dominant and sort of like service bottom, like that constant Mm. service exchange, like maybe outside of a really intense, 
you know, sexy scene, mm-hmm. just the day-to-day dynamic, like where do you get satisfaction from acts of service? Honestly, that one's a little trickier because I don't really identify as a service submissive anymore. Uh, I'm more of a service human and that's what I've come to learn. But that took a really long time to learn. The acts of service in itself are 0% satisfying for me. Um, But it's a love language of mine to give acts of service. And more importantly for when I'm interacting with Hypnostory on like a day-to-day basis and doing things for him, it's all about freeing up his time. Um, Hannah the Scribe, who we just had teach, well, not teach, but we had an interview with her and her mistress the other night, actually, writes a lovely article on FetLife about the why behind the service and that do we want to do the domestic servitude in every moment? Absolutely not. There are times where we're all going to be grumbly or a little resentful or like not enjoy the act itself. But the important thing to remember is the big why of that we are doing this for our master or dominant so that they are free to use those household spoons in other ways. For HypnoStory, usually it doesn't always show up in ways that are seemingly useful. So that was a hard thing for me to wrap my head around at first because it would be me cooking or doing dishes or putting away laundry while he was just laying down watching TV or poking at his phone. But I'm doing those acts so that he can rest so that he has more spoons to put into interacting with me when I'm done and caretaking for me and receiving that service in a way that feels good to me. So it sounds like it's not so much about that anybody like particular, I mean, some people do, but it's not necessarily about, yes, I love to do laundry or I love to make dinner or whatever. Like sometimes those things are equally miserable tasks on either side of the slash. But what is valuable is that there's a shared goal of being able to have more time together. And so, mm-hmm. you know, you want your dominance focus and attention and for them to have spoons to give you what you need. And you know that this is sort of a, a means to an end. Absolutely. There, I'm not going to be able to remember who said it off the top of my head right now. But there was a couple who got interviewed on the Off the Cuffs podcast, and the master of that relationship said, the submissive serves the dominant, and the dominant serves the relationship. And I think that's a really succinct way to sum that up, because I think it's true that at any given moment, it looks like the submissive slave, what have you, is the one doing the majority of the work. And that may be true, but the dominant or the master is serving almost like a higher goal of keeping their lives in order, of helping the S-type to make decisions, of giving them attention, love, kink, whatever it is that that person needs. For me, it's usually like intensity of focus and time. Like, I'm not about quantity, I'm more about quality. 
Uh, so those are things that I really value about my relationship and why I continue to do what I do. And I've actually been evaluating that more lately as I have very few spoons outside of like Mike Vanilla work and am sometimes frustrated by needing to come home and do the same exact physical chores that I was doing at work because I work in food service. And I think that I actually need to bring myself back to why I do what I do, particularly since Hypno Story and I haven't had a ton of energy for playing or interacting in a kinky way lately outside of our classes. And that maybe if I took some more of that on again, because he's been helping me out a lot. Right. So I think that, you know, and I'll talk a little bit about the other side of the slash, but I think that there is a place where when everyone has their role, everybody's needs are getting met. Everybody has more spoons, but there is also a place where regardless of your dynamic, sometimes life happens and nobody has spoons. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that is obviously something that has to be managed. And sometimes I think getting at the, like, why do I do this? Why did I sign up for this? Why was it good for me? in the beginning can be helpful, but sometimes it is also just about kind of evaluating what is going on in life in general and everybody having to intentionally make some choices about making space and spoons. But, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking about what being a dominant does for me on the other side of things, like you, I mean, I have known that I was kinky and had kinky fantasies before I even fully understood what sex was. But the biggest thing for me is always going to come down to shocker (laughs) control. (laughs) You know, it comes down to control. I love control. I'm definitely the boss, like in all things in my career in you know, my household, even when it comes to like management of things and making decisions within my family, like even with, you know, my, my parents involved or wider family things, like I'm always decision maker, planner, like I do a lot of executive functioning, not just for myself, but for other people in my life. And mm-hmm you know, almost everything is going to fall under the umbrella of control in some way. But like, I like for things to be precise. I like for them to be correct. I like for them to be prompt and on time. <laughs> oh my God. I'm never going to the end of it. <laughs> I like for my preferences to be a priority. I like things to be done on my timeline. I like attention both to myself and attention to detail. I love mind fucking. I have an inner sadist who really needs to be let out to play from time to time. And quite honestly, getting the feedback that someone on the other side of the slash needs to be or enjoys being on the receiving end of that to be happy you know, that makes me feel like a puzzle piece has been snapped into place and I am not a monster for wanting these things. Oh God, no. Are you kidding me? There was like, when I was on vacation with my girlfriend, uh, this happens every year when we go on this vacation. I uh, do a lot of service for the group. Just, I do a lot of cooking. I do a lot of dishes, a lot of like just doing fetching things for people. And she knows that if I go a few days without getting my ass handed to me, then I'm going to start like getting really like vulnerable and emotional and sensitive just for no reason, just because 
like I need to get put in my place and like I need to get beat the fuck up and I need to be strung up in rope because those are the things that are gonna give me that factory reset and I don't think I mentioned it but you're right that it's all about control because it is for me too but like so similar but so different in that I mostly do the executive functioning for um for quite a few people and a lot of decision making the nature of my work is just that people are contacting me all the time i'm getting a million text messages as i'm doing this with you even though today is my day off so that's why for me i really need to be able to give up that control and like i beg hypno stories sometimes to just stop asking me questions and stop asking me what the plan is and mm-hmm. just make a decision without me. Yeah. And there's a lot of responsibility that does come with being a dominant. And I really think that you sort of zeroed in on it, that often the S type is doing a lot of things that have been delegated, but the planning in itself for what needs to get done, how is this family going to function? How are everybody's needs going to be met? You know, those types of things, those types of larger scale planning, those types of decisions, those types of really big executive decisions. You know, there's a lot of pressure that comes with being a dominant. And because of all of those other things that I get from it. It's worth it to me. Like it makes it worth while. It's quite a reward. And I also get reward from seeing that, you know, my S type partner is satisfied and healthy and getting what they need and that my planning and decisions and the things that I've put into place have helped that to be possible. So mm-hmm. I think sometimes we all need little reminders that it's okay to ask for what we want. And I think that, you know, personal stories really kind of help to illustrate those things. You know, I am somebody who wants to have control in all things all the time, and that can be exhausting. So, you know, sometimes it's really the the little things that make a difference, but I'll let you tell your story first. I mean, do you have a story that sort of illustrates how, either like an act of submission or an act of service that maybe a dominant would have a a tough time understanding like why you would want to do that thing was actually really fulfilling or amazing for you. I will be super transparent in that Hypnostory and I haven't had a super ton of time lately to really engage in our DS on a deep level. Um, Like we haven't really been having big scenes like, I haven't been like cooking or stuff as much as I used to just because of where we're both at with our vanilla work lives right now and our energy levels. But I will say that there are plenty of times on a regular basis where he will ask me to take something off of his plate or even on a bigger spectrum. One of the main rules of our relationship is that I need to protect the property, that I need to look out for myself and my own well-being before anything else. Because if I'm pouring from an empty cup, then that's not useful to anybody. So I will say that there have been probably more times lately where I have asked him to take something off my plate. 
And he will always be very honest in where he's at with his energy level and what he can do and helps me to come up with a compromise if he can't help me. And at the end of the day, that's still falling under the umbrella of the primary job of the submissive for us is that I am protecting my spoon level and protecting the property so that I can still be okay, that I can be functional and still be tasked with doing things when I come home and when he needs my help or wants me to help him do something. Or in turn, if I give him something off of my plate, then later on, I'm more equipped to take something off of his. So right now, I think that service looks like a more, like both sides of the slash and a give and take, which is something that we've talked about before, uh, that both sides of the slash certainly have a service component to it, even if we don't necessarily think of it that way. For sure. And I I think that you're touching on something really important, which is that sometimes self-care is service. And yes, you know, sometimes when I am super stressed out and I'm dealing with really big things that are going to affect our family or my career or whatever, you know, what I need from my partner, you know, from either of my partners on both sides of the slash, but often what I'm asking for from my more S type partner is not to do something specifically for me, but to do something for themselves. Like I really need you to I know it's really hard to make decisions and I usually make most of the decisions, but today I really need you to make an executive decision yourself and order dinner and you know what it is that we both eat on a regular basis. So instead of me choosing, I need you to make sure that we both have something to eat today. Just put an order in and, you know, choose something that's um, going to meet both of our preferences or whatever, or, you know, Um, I need you to do this thing to take care of yourself because you seem really stressed out. And when we're both low spoons, you know, taking some time to decompress, you know, to tell me what you need to communicate, to tell me, okay, I need some alone time so that I can really take my stress level down. Mm -hmm. Something that I'm asking him to actively do to like communicate to me what it is that he needs in order to get his spoons back to get his head in, you know, the right place, that kind of thing. So sometimes self-care, it can be an act of service in itself, because at the end of the day, everybody needs to be healthy and functioning. So I think that's a great example. You know, on my side of things, it's, it's really about the little things. Sometimes I cannot start my day without a cup of coffee. I can't do it. Mm. And, you know, my partner, has just fallen into this pattern and it was not something prescribed by like a a well-defined, like we're putting a DS label on this, but you know, he makes me a cup of coffee every morning. It's perfectly prepared, like to my specifications. He knows exactly how I drink my coffee. It's waiting for me at my workspace in our home before I even like am fully out of bed. And it's a, a small thing, but it helps me start my day on the right foot. And then, you know, throughout the day, if we're spending the day together, if I so much as like touch an empty bottle, you know, for a beverage and he's within line of sight, 
whatever beverage I'm drinking is like immediately being replaced and staying Mm. hydrated. (laughs) Yeah. You know, but staying hydrated and caffeinated makes me less grumpy and more focused and better able to handle the challenges of the day. And so then, you know, when my partner comes to me and says he's super stressed out and struggling, struggling with some kind of executive functioning, I have the spoons to say, okay, here's the plan. We're going to cross these things off your you know, to-do list today. And this is what we're starting with. And this is how we're going to get back on track. And then their stress is reduced. We've both been productive. And really, it all started with a cup of coffee. So yeah, you know, we don't have a lot of kink in the bedroom. And sometimes I need to explore that piece in other ways. But that type of just day-to-day, you know, like you said, I, I really think his... um love language is really sort of acts of service. And so even though we don't have a lot of kink, you know, we've fallen into this very natural rhythm and there's a lot of balance there um, that I really appreciate. Yeah. And he's so sweet and like, oh, it's just so wholesome. Like, like I know that you guys don't have that like bedroom relationship, but and there's just something I love about your relationship with him, like you two together. Yeah. And I'm absolutely happy with it. You know, that is, you know, that is what we are meant to be. You know, we're both being our authentic selves. We have this very natural rhythm and yeah, it's pretty vanilla, um, but it works for us and we both find it fulfilling and being a poly person, you know, I can have my kink side come out in other ways. And so I don't feel any pressure to force that relationship to be something that it's not or something different. I'm really happy with just what it is. Mm-hmm. And I think we both are. And benefits of polyamory. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's my little soapbox. But do you have any other kind of final thoughts on the subject of just like having trouble empathizing with the other side of the slash or struggling because of that to ask for what you want or what you need, or I don't know, any, any final thoughts to wrap up this topic? Oh my God. I have a lot. (laughs) I think, okay. So part of it, I've been teaching people a lot about this lately um, is that concept of the usual error, which is something that hypnostory also touches on quite a bit in our teaching. Um, And the usual error is that, we assume as humans that other humans are thinking the same way we are, perceive things the same way we perceive them, or are going to have the same reactions or responses. And that's just not true. Every person, every brain is so individual. And I think that's where a lot of this comes from, where we have difficulty empathizing with things which we are not. So, uh, Remembering that doesn't necessarily make it easier to empathize with the other side of the slash, but it can be very useful just to keep things a little bit in perspective. I think in a way it's one of those things where we're not going to fully understand the other side and that's okay because that's why both sides exist so that we can help to meet each other's needs in ways that work for us. 
which is why I feel very fortunate <laughs> that both sides of the slash exist. Cause who boy, would it be awkward if everybody in the world was a submissive? <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that, you know, kind of being a poly person, one of the things that I talk about in terms of, you know, sort of that identity is that I, I really don't like to do hierarchy within relationships. And I, I personally believe that love is not a pie. Like that is a, a thing, but you know, spoons and resources are finite sometimes, you know, like sometimes you just don't have any spoons left. And I think that, you know, a lot of people are kind of like, oh, polyamory is when you, you know, seek a bunch of relationships to fill in holes with things that are wrong with your existing relationships. And I I really think that that is a terrible way to think about it because, you know, I tend to think about, yes, one of the amazing benefits is that when you have more than one relationship, you know, if you have a very full and happy and solid relationship, but um, you know, maybe you have an interest or something that you don't want to explore with that person. Often it's something that you can explore with another partner. And yes, that's amazing, but it's also not a fix for something that's broken. And I, I never feel that my other relationships are like a fix for something that is wrong in my dynamic with my vanilla partner. I'm really happy, you know, with the way that things are and that relationship you know, it will stand the test of time. And, you know, it was there before Polly, you know, at the time that we met, I I didn't have any other partners. And um, yeah, it's not a fix. It's not a a band-aid. And no, it's a compromise, if anything, so that you can have your needs met without applying pressure on that one person to meet all your needs it would be especially hard for myself and hypnostory's relationship considering he is not a female and (laughs) i am mostly homosexual in sexuality preference so if i go a certain amount of time without being able to have like sexual interaction with a woman, then I get really antsy and out of sorts. And so I can find a way to meet that need outside of the relationship. Yeah. So I think my last words for the subject for today would be, you know, ask for what you want, negotiate. There's a good chance that someone out there is your missing puzzle piece and, or several someones, you know, but if you don't put it out there and say what it is that you want, if you don't honestly communicate about those things, you're going to have a really hard time finding those people that are a good fit or worse, you know, find yourself in a situation where you're trying to force something that isn't a good fit to work for you. And I think that, Asking for what you want really starts with acknowledging what you want and need to yourself internally Mm -hmm. and like being able to have the self-talk that those needs and wants are valid and it's okay. And if you have an existing partner, maybe talk about those needs you're not having met and maybe there's a compromise. Whatever you negotiate within your relationships, I think that the most important negotiation that people sometimes struggle with or understanding that people struggle with is basically 
self-validation and saying, you know what, these needs that I have are okay. They're valid. They're human. There are other humans that want these things and that find them normal. There are other humans that want to receive or give these things. And so, you know, I think the focus of today is really not so much partner negotiation or how to make that work for you, but how to just start with sort of self-acceptance. So Mm -hmm. thanks for having this conversation with me. I think it was a really important topic and Yeah. yeah. I'm excited, you know, for all of our other subjects this season. Me too. Yay. Yay. (laughs) Thanks as always for listening to Naughty Talk. Our show is available on most popular podcast platforms. For updates, to submit a request to be a guest on the show, to write in with questions for our hosts or request lifestyle advice, head over to the show's page at sunnyleemain.com. You'll also find information about my novels, including my Turn the Key series, which are dark erotica with themes of hypnosis, BDSM, and sometimes a little bit of magic. All books feature different kinks and are queer inclusive. I hope you've enjoyed the show and you join us again next time.